Hopewell Farm CBD hemp products are naturally sourced from Tennessee. Their 100% pure hemp products are made from the finest non-GMO hemp. Each product is designed to provide natural healing, help you regain strength, and promote holistic health. Save 10% today with promo code JOURNEYTOTRUTH10. Click the link below in the description for a discount or go to hopewellfarmtn.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Just a few reminders before we get started. If you want to come hang out with Aaron and I, we will be at the Sunfire Festival in Aztec, New Mexico at the end of August, August 25th through the 28th. The early bird tickets are on sale for only $144 for the whole weekend. It's a great deal. We're going to be setting up our experiences lounge. We've done it at a few other events. It goes over very well. It gives attendees a chance to share their experiences on camera, and we compile a video and put it on our channel after the event. It's always a lot of fun, but we'd love to see you out there. Come hang out with us, Aztec, New Mexico, August 25th through the 28th, and that link, all the information is in the link below, sunfirefest.com. And we have recently started a Patreon, as many of you know, we just finished our clone webinar, which was a lot of fun. We two hours and 40 minutes of a deep dive into clones and holograms, deep fake technology and um, mask and all, all sorts of things. It was awesome. Um, it was a blast. And I think it was our best one so far. So you guys are definitely want to check that out. Right. And it ties in with the SSP topic, um, mm -hmm. obviously the clone aspect, which we'll get into today with our guest, John Whitberg who many of you may know, but many of you may ha have not seen yet because this is his first time showing his face on camera. And we'll let him explain why he decided to do that now. And we're glad to have you here, John. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Uh, so the reason I decided to show my face was partly because um, it was my understanding uh, that it was at least preferable uh, to do it on this channel. And also because um, how are people going to know if they knew me if they can't see me? So, yeah, it's I finally decided it was necessary. Well, we're glad you decided. And so what was your reason to begin with the Fernacho in your face was is it uh, just because the family didn't know who you were or what? Yes, that and um, just in general, I felt uh, safer, but, you know, I'm not in this to be safe, so. Well, we appreciate your bravery and thank you for... Um, yeah. Thank you for joining us today, and we're excited to get into some of your testimony. I know you've shared a lot of it on other channels, but we're going to try and get into some new stuff as well as some of the, you know, the basic uh, testimony. So the people who don't know who you are can have an idea of where you're coming from and why you're here today sharing this with us. So uh, I'd like to just kind of get started from your childhood. I know this started for you when you were six years old, and I'll let you tell that story. And um, We'll just go from there. So 
if you want to fill us in on how that happened. So there's what I call an anchor memory. Uh, it's the one that never went away. Uh, I've always had it since the morning after it happened. And it was of being paralyzed in my bed while I'm six years old. This portal opens in my wall and an SS woman steps through. A woman in an SS uniform steps through and I get levitated up out of my bed and through this portal. And over the years, I always just told myself that can't be real. That was, you were dreaming. Until in 2019, I came across um, the SSP community. Uh, pretty much just stumbled across it because I heard about MK Ultra on a, I think it was actually on a PBS documentary. And I was looking for info on it, just more out of morbid curiosity than anything. And came across it, came across the SSP, and I was like, well, shit. <laughs> so, uh, and the memories have continued coming from there um, on a pretty much a daily basis. So, so whenever, uh, whenever you were taken out of your bedroom, you were taken through a portal in the wall, if I'm not mistaken, and mm -hmm. where were you taken from there? So from there... Well, the portal opened actually directly into the back of a truck, which drove me to um, Cheyenne Mountain Base, uh, NORAD, which of course is now Space Force Headquarters. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and uh, which, it, which was about 15 minutes drive from where I was living at that time. Um, and from there, the memories are still pretty patchy, but I've recovered some of the mind fracture process um, that I underwent and uh, just the general mind control process, which lasted about six months before I was sent off planet. Hey, Ty oh, sorry. Yeah. Tyler, sorry to interrupt, but can you check your audio input settings? It sounds like you're not coming through the mic to me. It might be, maybe I'm just imagining that, but it, it sounds weird. No, you're right. I wasn't. It, yeah, there you go. Much better. Okay. Well, I, we I'll adjust the audio. Could you hear me though? Like I could hear you. You, you might want, it was, you're a little quiet. You're going to want to probably yeah. adjust in the editing. No, thank you for that. Yeah. I was like, I just realized I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Something's off here. Yeah. We were messing with the audio beforehand. Okay. Well, all right. Thank you. So whenever you were taken, what do you remember about the Cheyenne complex? Can you explain to us anything about that facility? Yeah. So it was, um, it was basically just an underground labyrinth. Um, and it was very hospital-like. Um, and uh, I remember there were a lot of 
Nazi symbols here all over the place. Um, and uh, there were, just funny because I only saw one Nazi there, but there was, um, their symbology was everywhere. Um, and they were, I can remember it was, I'm trying to think of the word, sterile, I right. guess would be the word to describe it. Um, everything was very clean, very, very impersonal. Um, they, The first step they took was depersonalizing you. Um, you no longer had a name, you had a number. Uh, you dressed the same as everyone else there. Uh, you had your head Everything, everything that made you you was erased. And from that point on, they started creating altars, which is um, probably most of the people who watch this will know at least a little of what that means, but it's um, basically through trauma and through mind control, the splitting of the mind into multiple personalities, mm -hmm. which is... Um, I won't go into too much detail on what exactly they did because I don't want to get your channel banned, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, you get yes. the idea. yeah, sometimes yeah. Those, those details aren't always necessary. We've covered it enough. People, people understand yeah. the process. Yeah. Um, how many layer, how many le levels would you say that Cheyenne complex was? And like, did they take you down on the ground? So many levels. Do you remember any of that? Um, most of the programming was on the 26th through 29th level. Um, wow. At one point, I went as far down as the 38th level uh, wow. when I left. That's where the portals were, um, was the 38th level. It may have gone even further than that. I don't know. But Did you, did you see any ETs or anything in the base while you were there? Oh, yes. Uh, there were... Plenty of ETs. There were um, Zeta Reticulin Greys. There were um, there were a lot of Nordics, mm -hmm. um, and there was this one reptilian species that I've actually never seen anywhere else. That was fairly humanoid looking, but it had a long tail um, with spikes on the ends, like a Stegosaurus, and it scales were black and shiny uh actually very pretty up close um they were iridescent and he or she i'm not sure they were quite exactly what we would consider male or female some ets are don't have some ets have more than two sexes but like he or she whichever you prefer would actually was very kind to me and they were the only person who treated me like a person rather than a piece of equipment so, interesting wow. so they okay so before we go before we get to what happens once you go through the portal um why do you think i remember you hearing you say that you had family ties uh and to the i think your grandfather was part of uh 
Operation Paperclip. Am I mistaken or is that correct? Uh, my great uncle was part of it. He, or rather, he was part of the um, the delivery of Nazis to America. He was not a Nazi. He was born here. But he was part of the OSS, as it was called back then. Now it's called the CIA. Uh, at the end of and for several years after the war, and he was stationed in Vienna. And he was tasked with finding uh, both relatives of ours, because we are of German and Austrian descent, and also finding persons from the Abwehr, which was the Nazi intelligence service. And funneling them into this country. What exactly he did, he took to the grave. But that's what we know. So it goes way back. Um, my grandmother has altars. My grandfather, I believe, does, but they don't show themselves very much. My grandmother quite visibly has them. Uh, my mother had them. My aunt has them. Um, so, all on my mother's side, we're very much a mind-controlled bloodline. So, can you talk a little bit about the deal the Germans made with the United States, I guess, as far as uh, giving them children in, in exchange for whatever, or in exchange for not invading <laughs> yeah so in 46 or 47 yeah 47 there was this thing called operation high jump which was admiral bird Admi yes admiral bird had heard unconfirmed reports that there were still that basically nazi germany had not been defeated that they had gone to antarctica and they were flourishing uh, he and a big chunk of the U.S. Navy went there. They got their asses handed to them. And so when they... So for the next five years, there was a state of unease, essentially, of are they going to invade us? Will they leave us alone? Blah, blah, blah. And so... The Germans said, the Germans eventually came, flew directly to the White House, landed on the lawn, and there's video footage of this. They landed on the White House lawn, went in, and said, Mr. President, uh, we could kill all of you. But here's the thing. We're building out colonies off-world, but we don't have enough people. Uh, either to conquer them or to inhabit them once we do conquer them. So, if you give us 150,000 of your children every year, we'll leave you alone. I mean, they that was basically an offer they could not refuse. And so, in 2007, I was one of those children. Interesting. And I've heard wow. uh, you're referring to the 52 flyovers in DC. We've seen the newspaper article where they, um, where they 
have a photograph of I think it's six or seven craft above the White House, but you're you're saying one of them actually landed. Yes, one of them, uh, one of them landed. I was shown this by the Germans in their uh, school system, which we'll we'll get into that later, I'm sure. But they um, there was video footage that has been suppressed down here. Off world, it's quite well known that one of them landed. People got off. I'm not quite sure how they managed to hide this completely from the news media. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. Maybe there were reports about it, and they've just been buried in the intervening decades. We'll never know. But right. right. So, whenever you were taken to the Cheyenne complex and brought through a portal there, so you were taking portal out of your bedroom into a back of a truck, taken to the Cheyenne complex. You're taken down to the 38th level below ground where you were portaled to the moon, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, to uh, the North Pole of the moon. Um, and didn't see much, just me and these other kids. There were maybe 25 or 30 kids, uh, not very many. We were walked directly to a shuttle. Um, the signs in that base and everything, that was entirely German. Um, German flags, German language signs, German-speaking staff, all of that. Um, we were walked directly from there to onto a shuttle, which flew uh, onto uh, a mothership. And then... We basically just, uh, we didn't get off the shuttle. The shuttle, we stayed seated in the shuttle even as it was on the mothership. So we were there for 18 hours as it flew to Vega Prime. And we got off. That Our shuttle, the Cheyenne Mountain shuttle, only had maybe 25 or 30 kids. But there were, uh, this Mothership had a delivery of about 200, who I'm assuming must have come from other bases. Mostly American kids. Uh, there was one shipment of kids who were, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they were Colombians. Um, and there was one shipment of Japanese kids. And the rest was all Americans. And got off the shuttle. And we were... Uh, saluted by officers. We had a carpet rolled out for us, which had, um, of course, we didn't know where we were yet, but it's what I now know to be the flag of the Vega colony. And there was a banner up on the, up on the arch at the end of this hallway. It said, Sieg Heil der Neue Jugend. Uh, hail victory for the new youth. Mm. So, essentially, from then on, we were a part of their civilization. And we were trying to remember the exact sequence of events. You basically went to school. Yes, I did. On their basically, planet. Basically, yeah. yes. Uh, we were all bused to this school, um, which was in two pretty traditional-looking German buildings nestled in a 
whole bunch of skyscrapers. Um, and it was, they were Bavarian style. They had, uh, you know, like the, the stepped roofs, you know, mm-hmm. um, like you see. Everything, most of the education was virtual reality. Um, and so there weren't, for the most part, there weren't classrooms. Most of it was in one big classroom. For some subjects, it was divided up by age. Bef- before we get any further into this, I just have a couple questions. Uh, when you started getting your memories back, what was that like for you to accept this as a reality? Were you skeptical about it? Did you have to try it? I mean, what did that process look like for you? I spent the first year trying to convince myself I was crazy. And, um, but when they wouldn't stop and when people's testimony just kept corroborating everything I was remembering, I finally was like, okay, you're not crazy. This is real. This did happen. And then I spent the next year not talking to anyone. And then I finally did start reaching out to people. And it was a difficult process. I nearly became an alcoholic at one point uh, because of it. From the stress, I, for a while, I struggled a bit with sex addiction. Uh, that's not TMI, but it's it, it's just the reality. Um, that's what this programming does to people. And um, so basically that's what it was like. Um, and, uh, but I survived it and I'm here now. And yeah, that's, that's great. And I understand the, uh, the vices, everybody, everyone turns to a vice whenever they're trying to distract themselves from discovering something about themselves that they're not really ready to accept yet. That's kind of programmed into us, like you said, but if you were a victim of MK ultra, then some of those, are heightened. Some of those addictions and cravings are heightened. So it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's it's actually yeah. better to admit it and acknowledge it and, and move past it. So it's not TMI, in my opinion. It just helps. It, it grounds it into this reality. So, Well, thank you. Okay, so you were on Vegas Prime. Now, I know you have more than one altar. You have incredible recall. I'm amazed with your memory and recall about all, all of the other altars and everything, but it gets confusing if we don't, if we kind of go out of chronological order, but yeah. something I want to ask you before we jump into all that is just to keep it grounded on earth still, before we really get out there, the corporations, the organizations that are involved in the secret space program that you've seen in space, um, mm-hmm. how, how many corporations that we would know, big names that we would recognize, have you seen in the programs? Roughly about 15. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, uh, 10 to 15. I Let me list off the main ones. The most important ones are Defense Contractors, Raytheon, uh, Blackwater, places, people like that. Um, there's uh conglomerates um finance conglomerates such as blackrock and um oh what's the other one uh vanguard yes thank you 
And um Oh, he froze. You froze. Not my I froze. Yeah. So after okay. Van after Vanguard, what'd you say? Yes. Natural gas companies like Sitgo, um, car companies, food companies even, um, such as uh, PepsiCo and uh, your, I mean, Americans probably wouldn't know this, but people, your audience in Latin America will definitely have heard of Mondelez uh, company, which uh, out there they manufacture they him they're who manufactures the replicators that people talk about actually. Um, PepsiCo manufactures the same drinks they do out there, but some of them have uh, enhancements. Let's say. Um, you're talking about who, Pepsi. Yes. Well, their company the company is called PepsiCo. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what kind of and what do you mean by enhancements in the in the drinks um they make special ones they make the regular ones like you could get here too but they also make special ones that have nanites which can give abilities to people um so there's ones that uh can give you added strength there's ones that can make you telekinetic there's ones that can give you um uh, I'm trying to remember pyrokinesis, which is um controlling fire. And what, uh what about like learning a foreign language or Yes. Yes, uh you can do that. Um there was one of my alters who had to learn Russian and because he could afford it, because not everyone can afford these things. Uh they're very expensive, but my alter could afford to buy one of those drinks that had the Russian language in nanites that went straight to your brain. So as soon as you finished drinking that, you knew conversational Russian or whatever language you needed to know. Wow. So what other companies, uh, you weren't finished listing them. I'm just curious. Yeah. We see these names every day. Yeah. Uh, there was um, Kodak Company. Uh, they uh they're out there um there's a lot of natural resource companies out there i mentioned sitgo but also um valero has a presence out there uh there's a company i can literally never remember the name of but it's the main chinese natural gas company uh they have a presence out there um Samsung Corporation is out there. Lots and lots of people are out there. Right. That's pretty incredible and not surprising at all. We've heard that from other testimonies, but to get a list like that's really uh, interesting. Doesn't uh it makes perfect sense if they're running the show here they would they would have, you know, real estate in other planets as well. Mm -hmm. Um as far as the cloning aspect of all of this, we just finished our webinar, so we're kind of fresh on the clone topic. What percentage of people are cloned and what percentage of people are actually, it's their 
real body. It's them. I think there's a difference between the German space program and the American space program. Maybe you can help us understand that. Yes. Um, the Germans use your real body. Um, because they, their technology that they have for regeneration, people always think of the med beds. The Germans mm -hmm. don't have med beds. They have regeneration tanks, which they also, um, to put it very simply, they also uh, will regenerate any damage which was done to your soul. Um, and the med beds can't really do that. And because clones have two souls, uh, it's impossible to keep an altar in a clone. All right, I'm going to stop you for a second because I have some questions. Sorry. So, yeah, I'm not wording it very well. I'm trying to think how to work this. So you're saying uh -huh. that the Germans use your original body and take mm -hmm. you to the programs and then age regress that body through whatever method they use, possibly a, a regen tank or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. And the American space program, they do more of, they use clones. And they'll, yes, they, they'll, they'll take your consciousness and put it in a clone. Now, what do you mean when you say clones have two souls? They have, okay, whenever you print out a biological body, um, it will have a soul attach itself to it. It can't be stopped. But it also has a piece of the soul of whoever they were cloned from. And the soul that attaches itself inevitably is constantly trying to push out a piece. And eventually it will succeed. And if they the clone dies and gets regenerated, then it always succeeds. They cannot put the piece back. So a clone has a piece of the soul of whoever it was cloned from, and then it has um, the a soul that attaches itself because whenever you make a physical form, a soul will automatically find its way there. And um, so this, I won't go on a tangent, but just a quick aside here, this whole rhetoric I'm hearing in a lot of the SSP community about clones not having souls is really concerning. Um, because like they very much do their people, they just came from a test tube and rather than a womb, but that doesn't make them less human. Uh, and so that's why the Germans would rather not have the bother of having to make you a new clone every time you die. So they will just take your original body and age regress it and regen regenerate it as necessary. Uh, the Americans, they mostly use clones. Um, there are other factions from other nationalities and from corporations that it varies on what they do. Um, so. Right. Yeah, I figured there's a, a few different modalities, maybe a bunch by now, but 
uh, different yeah. different organizations using different technologies, and I'm sure it's always advancing and changing, and they're perfecting it and experimenting yeah. with it. So uh, I want to go backwards a little bit, and I apologize to the audience if it seems like we're jumping around, but I had some questions I wanted to ask you uh, earlier that I didn't get to. So two things about the Cheyenne Complex. Uh, one, you mentioned the MK Ultra being done there and you mentioned uh, wizard of oz and sleeping beauty those two movies in a previous interview how were those being used to mind control you wizard of oz had a lot of um code words in it uh or code phrases that would be used to bring out altars um whenever they were creating an altar they would have um a line from that movie uh, playing in the background on a loop so that eventually the way with the way your mind works, your mind will automatically associate that line with that altar and it can trigger an altar to surface. Um, so I won't repeat any lines here because I don't want anyone to be triggered listening to this. So and Sleeping Beauty, um, Sleeping Beauty had actually a lot more programming in it, at least by my generation. I know a lot of older people were programmed a lot more with Wizard of Oz. In my generation, Sleeping Beauty was kind of the main thing. And they would, you know that scene at the end where the, fairies are arguing over uh, the color of the dress where they're constantly flicking their wand and her dress changes color. Yeah. That scene uh, that scene is used for um, some beta level programming to bring that to the surface. Um, There's um some like occult ritual programming that I'm still fuzzy on, but I think there's a lot of symbology of it in that movie. And mm-hmm. you're basically everything is subliminal association to right. uh, make your mind go certain places and do certain things that can be caused if done correctly, that can be caused by a movie or something of that effect. Right. And, and there's a number of movies people have mentioned and other testimonies and shows like Looney Tunes even is one that doesn't get talked about that much, but I've heard people talk about Looney Tunes. Uh, another yes. thing you mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, Joseph Mengele was at the Cheyenne complex. He was, or a clone of him at any rate. Um, uh, I don't know if it was the original or a clone, just to be clear. But, yeah, he was there. Um, he, and he did most of the programming of the kids. I don't know if he still calls himself Dr. Green, as many people have testified, because I, names are very difficult for me. But, the thing I remember about him is, 
when he wasn't torturing you, he was actually a very sweet, nice person. Which really? is, yeah, which is makes him even more disturbing of a figure, really. Well, it's that's okay. typical narcissist behavior as well. Yeah, true, true. A lot of sociopaths so, can be like that. Yeah, yeah and it, yeah. it makes it. It's actually part of the trickster energy that decept. You know, that's what kind of gets mm -hmm. you hooked in a way in a weird way. Yeah, because they rely on your ability to see the good in them. So they show you that side and it confuses you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Now I think that's all I wanted to ask about that facility. Um, okay. So we were talking about the programs and I've heard you mention before, I mean, the, the organizations in the programs, I've heard you mention before black market, uh, contraband items that are, uh, I guess, used in the programs or traded or bartered or whatever, sold. Can you explain a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, so in most places, uh, they ban or at least very heavily restrict most vices. Uh, they don't have, they don't really restrict alcohol, but they restrict, if not outright banned, drugs, uh, pornography, things like that. Um, so, but of course, people still kind of need those things. <laughs> so, uh, they will, uh, a black market flourishes inevitably whenever you ban those things. Um, and uh, a lot of it is contraband from earth that they actually don't even know is from earth um like for example uh they love our uh they love cuban cigars out there um uh they there's not many places in this galaxy where you can grow weed so a lot of their weed comes from us things like that and they don't know where it comes from What about music and movies? Yeah, yeah, they have our music and movies, but also this is a thing I'm actually planning to do a show with someone else about in the near future, hopefully. A lot of our music and movies actually come from there, and we don't know it. Really? Yeah. Um, and a lot of songs, especially a lot of songs, were written by assets like us and they were then stolen and sold to the music industry here mm -hmm. and yeah i know uh arkeem ra if you know who he is he, yeah. he literally claims he's written a whole bunch of songs mm -hmm. that yeah. are that were used and stolen from him and given to these different bands yeah. and artists that are There's big hit songs that are out there he's like yep i wrote that one i wrote that one yeah, there's a few I wrote too, like that. So yeah, that's quite common, and um, a lot of them were written here sometime. I mean, yeah, were written here sometimes, but people will remember them as being from different artists out there. Uh. Like, I don't know if you know the song Wicked Game by Chris Isaac. Um, mm -hmm. he, 
Okay, it's a great song. Listen to it, seriously. But um, he... That was actually originally a Willie Nelson song on Mars. Really? Uh, written on Mars, according to a friend of mine. And there's the song Hallelujah, supposedly written by Leonard Cohen in 75. Mm-hmm. It was actually written by Janis Joplin and first recorded by her, I believe, in 69 on a planet called New Atlantis, uh, which I've... I've touched on that planet in one or two shows. I'm not sure if it was in any of the ones I sent you, but so you're saying Janice Janice was tape was in the programs and then wrote oh, it. Oh yeah, she was in the programs. Okay. Yes, she was, oh. and I think I think she may still be alive, actually, and still writing songs out there. Well, that um, would that would align with uh, like Johann Fritz would talk about. Or Daryl Jane, other people talk about celebrities who have clones in the programs as well. A lot of, and a mm-hmm. lot of the roles they play in movies are actually very similar to what their position is or in the programs mm-hmm. as well. And um, I think Kevin uh, Spacey, Kevin, Kevin Spacey, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise. Um, Angelina Jolie, um, okay. and um, oh my gosh, what's the Scarlett Johansson? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole there's a whole list of them that apparently have clones in the programs that people have seen up there. Um, there's one that I've seen that I can't even remember his name for the life of me every time, but he plays the same role in every movie. Um, he's like this military sergeant. If I if I can think of his name, I'll mm-hmm. share it. But either way, that's just a side note. I find that very interesting. Like the what we see, you know, Hollywood. Like you said, uh, some of the movies are actually from other places or even funded by certain groups out there mm-hmm. and the scripts are handed to whoever the director is on earth, whatever it looks like. It's not really what we think it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you've had, what do you know about solar warden? Can you explain to us uh, solar warden? And is that tied with space force? Solar warden from my understanding is not tied with space force. Um, what I know about it is that it began in 52 uh, or 53, not long after the deal was made with the Germans. It was made essentially to fight the Germans. It's an American force, and it started life as just a sub-project called Project Mayflower. But in 82... Um, the Secretary of the Navy at that time for the Reagan administration, his name was John Lehman. Uh, you can look him up. He was basically like, well, we're spending literally trillions of dollars on these people. Why don't we make them an official branch? So he did. So that did happen, and it became known as Solar Warden from 1982 onwards. Um it did split into two, but that's a solar warden is still a convenient catch-all term that people use for it. So, did you serve in solar warden? Do you have any memories from that? Yes, uh, my alter Adam, he did fifty years of service um, with them from nineteen sixty-nine until twenty nineteen, and. Interesting story with him. He 
did not have his memories erased when they killed him. I don't know if someone just forgot or what, but when he rehomed, he had all the memories, so I have pretty much full recall from him and his life. So help me understand. So you said he served from 69 to 2019, but when were you, when were you born? 2001. Okay, so help me understand that because I've heard people talk about memories that don't line up with the yeah. the year they were born. Now, when they take you, there also there's time travel technology involved as well. There's a whole aspect there maybe you can touch on. Mm -hmm. Help us understand how that works. So Time travel is really pretty simple, uh, at least time traveling to the past. If you want to go to the future, it's much more complicated. But going into the past is pretty simple. You just dial in coordinates on whatever time machine type technology you have. Uh, you put in where in space and where in time, and you walk through a portal, and it you're just there. And so time displacement, which is what we would call someone like me being sent back to 1969, or well, it was a clone of me, but same difference. And uh, it's really pretty simple. It, I don't know the ins and outs of how all the technology works, because that's not what, that was never my job, was to know how all these things work. It kind of just happened. Um, well, I guess it makes sense if they take your, if they put you in a clone, they can enter that clone, place that clone any place in time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, they can do that too. Essentially, that's how they're doing it. Okay. Yes. And obviously, time dilation um, mm -hmm. is another aspect of this. So is it true? What do you know? Because a lot of people talk about, uh, not to get too much on a tangent, but talk about the, the essentially the cabal is trying goes back in time and tries to manipulate events to to help create the time the negative timeline that they want to create do you, yeah. do you know about that they do that i mean everyone does that mm -hmm. everyone who has time travel goes back in time to create the time that is ideal for them so yeah it's a pretty universal thing uh when but you have the there but supposedly there's what you could call benevolent i guess ets or or even humans are are also doing that to to basically counteract that and to make sure we're, we stay on the positive timeline as well i, I think i think benevolent might be a bit of an exaggeration but yes there's people going against the cabal timeline because it's it's great for the cabal it's not good for anyone else in existence at all so yeah like, yeah there's exactly. people there are people even people we probably otherwise would not consider very good but there's lots of people counteracting it yes so it's an ongoing battle so the the cabal right now on this planet seems to be losing its grip in certain areas and it's becoming apparent in a lot of ways um not that they've totally lost control but it feels like they're losing their grip would you say the same is happening 
in the space programs? Are there, is this like an energetic thing that's happening throughout the solar system that just can't be stopped? Like this wave of energy, this ascension wave, or is this, is that a myth? I wouldn't say it can't be stopped, but it's proving difficult to stop. And the arc of history bends toward improvement, as they say. Mm-hmm. Like, look at the world even 50 years ago. Things are generally quite a bit better for most people than they were. So things are improving. Some things are very much not improving. Some things are getting a lot worse in some areas. But I think that overall, time and human nature lends itself towards positivity. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. Evolve, evolving, um, which is kind of the same thing. It's like, otherwise you're devolving and you're going exactly. backwards. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's All right. One or the other. But the cabal yeah. wants to create, they want to like lock down the planet. See, it seems like they want to lock down the planet fully as, as like a fully locked down slave planet for for resources for them and that's what they're they're trying to push things to that direction and it's becoming more obvious than ever their their agendas <laughs> which is actually a yeah. great thing because now we can all see it and it's waking yeah. it's waking up so many people that were just had no idea about any of this stuff just a few years ago um, yeah exactly so actually i think it's a great thing because it's like the harder they push the more they expose themselves and the more people wake up which means they're actually helping to speed up the awakening and the thwarting of their own agendas uh mm-hmm. but it's almost like they feel like they probably feel like they don't have a choice it's like they're desperate to lock it down now because they know it's now or never mm-hmm. yeah so in my opinion it's pretty much inevitable that there will be an uh, you know a mass awakening and and a golden age i don't know how long it's going to take i don't know how it's going to play out but i think it's inevitable um yeah it get worse before it gets better though <laughs> very right it very much could yeah. get worse before it gets better yeah um okay so i'm going to go back to uh vegas prime a little bit uh and just one quick thing it's vega prime there is no s on the end right <laughs> it's not vegas vega <laughs> prime yeah maybe yeah. it is no maybe uh, it is what happens in vega uh, <laughs> so, stays vega okay so vega prime sorry i apologize the uh can you explain to us a little bit about what the colony looks like and like w- what you've seen is what you witnessed. Is it most of it underground, all of it underground, above ground, that type of stuff? Most of it's above ground. Um, although the transport infrastructure is mostly below ground, um, but it's very futuristic. Um, but in some way, in some parts of it, it's also very traditional. Um, it's mostly Germans. I'd say the official breakdown is 85% Germans, uh, 10% Japanese, and 5% everyone else. And um, 
Go ahead. I've heard you mention in other interviews that it's like a cyberpunk style city. Is that correct? Yes, it is. It reminds me. It's not quite as Asian as how people think of cyberpunk cities. Most of the time they're, although there are a lot of Japanese signs, but uh, culturally it's mostly German. But there is, um, there are like holograms, very large holograms. Uh, like I said, a lot of skyscrapers, futuristic architecture, um, things like that. There are some flying cars, actually. And uh, up at the very tops of the buildings, which are on the tallest buildings, is several miles up. Uh, there are you'll see ships docking and things like that. So it's uh, quite similar to uh, the city in Ghost in the Shell, the live-action version, mm -hmm. is the closest thing I've seen to it. Say that again, Ghost in the Shell? Yes. That's an anime. That's oh, okay. a popular anime. It, it yeah. also reminds me of what we see depicted in some in Star Wars movies, like episodes one, two, and three, some of those very cyberpunk-like cities, uh, and, yeah. and also Total Recall, the, yeah. c the cities in that movie, which, interesting where they get the idea from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very typical uh, colonial style out there. That's how most colonies tend to look, um, at least most German and uh, Japanese colonies. Some colonies, such as um, particularly uh, the ones from some of the Latin American countries, they're a lot more traditional in their architecture. But Now, have you been to a place that looks almost identical to Earth, like you would almost not know the difference? Oh, yeah. I've heard of breakaway civilizations like that, where if you were just dropped there in the middle of the street, you wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, I've been to a colony that was um, a replica of Houston. The only way you could tell the difference was that there were two suns, and occasionally you'd see an alien walking down the street. I mean, like, that's, that sounds like it could be Earth, too, because apparently there's two suns here that we uh, we can only just see one. <laughs> uh, apparently. That supposedly that's... Yeah, some people say that, yeah. So... <clears throat> Up so, there, it was very visible, though. But when you yeah. when you say now, is it just the infrastructure, or is there English language too? Oh yeah, there were there are English speaking colonies, plenty of them. There's lots of Americans out there. There's lots of uh, Australians out there. Interestingly, uh, there's British people out there. Yeah, there. Are, you can find a colony that speaks pretty much any language, um, including ones that are not spoken much here anymore, uh, such as um, I've been to a colony where they actually still speak the Manchu language that uh, on Earth is very endangered. It's only spoken by a few dozen people, but wow. there's... No. colonies out there where they still speak it so yeah what kind of communication devices do they have are, are some of them using things similar to cell phones or is it all mm. tele telepathy 
What is it? Uh, between humans, I mean, even out there, not that many humans are telepathic, so they do use um, cell phones. For a language, for language barriers, they have um, something quite similar to a headset like I'd have here, but it has um, also a mouthpiece uh, that would, a, a microphone. And uh, so that works as a, basically a universal translator. Do they have, what, do they have like a Neuralink type of chip that they're trying to put in us here? I'm sure places out there are already doing it. Oh yeah. People do that. Um, it's, I mean, if you can afford it again, uh, which most people can't, but the wealthy have those and it allows them to control like everything in their home and their car and, uh, per they can purchase things with it. No, sorry. I, I, I... I hope this doesn't seem like I'm jumping around so much. It's just these questions keep popping in my head. What about some sort of authority, galactic authority or police force in space? Like not just per planet, but is there like some overall, like obviously it's all hierarchy, right? So is there federation? Some, yeah, like, federation. yeah, something like that, that's policing everything? Sort of. I Most of the time they're not going to care what anyone does unless you do something really, really serious, like wiping out a, an entire planet. Otherwise, you'll probably never even know they exist. They're quite small. But every star cluster has a council overseeing it. Mm -hmm. And those people will always make themselves known. They're always a quite involved in the community. Um, and they will generally have a representative of at least every spacefaring species, if not every sentient one within said star cluster. Mm, interesting. What about, so there's probably a million different occupations out there, right? It's not, they're not just taking people into these programs for, to be super soldiers. Oh uh, no. And no. I think you've, uh, you have memories from altars that have done interesting jobs, such as an archaeologist. Yeah, I have um, my archaeologist altar, Jared. Um, I don't have a lot of his memories, really, but I have some. Most of mine are in communications, i.e. Uh, telepathic interfacing with different species. And and or they're in espionage. I have one who is a pretty traditional super soldier type. So these would all I be have, clones then. Sorry to yes, these would all be would. different clones. Like Donald Marshall would say they can they can clone you as many times as they want and split you as many times as they want. So uh, he kind of broke it down. Actually, we played a clip where he explained how they're doing it, even here on Earth amongst like celebrities and stuff. But that's exactly what they they would be doing in the programs as well. So it, just to help ground it into reality, um, if anyone wants to understand how that works, we just covered it on the uh, clone webinar. But they're essentially taking an individual and splitting their consciousness into multiple different clone bodies and sending them on missions throughout the galaxy and or the planet here. 
And these are the memories that you are recovering. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's, um, and uh, that's because, like I mentioned, the clone has a piece of your soul or consciousness. And whenever a clone dies, that fragment will come back to you. So you'll be able to get at least some of the memories, depending on how many, how much mind wiping they did before they terminated the clone. But now, do any of these? Is it possible for a clone or an alter to communicate with you, um, your front alter? Yeah, I have ongoing communication telepathically with two. I have one who uh, is absolutely terrified that uh, she will be arrested. Yes, people, I'm, I'm sure that raised a question, me saying she. <laughs> I'll explain that in a minute, but opposite-sexed clones are very much a thing. Um, and uh, she's terrified that she'll be imprisoned or worse if she gets caught communicating with me, so I don't bother her. I have some who I haven't been able to reach yet, but there's two that I have ongoing, uh, more or less daily conversations with. How how does that work? How do you have conversations with them? Telepathically. Mm -hmm. It's basically what my method, I know some people do other methods for this, but my method is I will remote view them and wait for them to notice that I'm remote viewing them. And uh, usually they'll be like, oh, wow, you're not me, but you look just like me. Who are you? And that's a pretty good way to start a conversation, actually. So it goes from there. and But it's all telepathic. Um, mm. I have not found any of my clones, if any of them are living civilian lives on Earth, which I have heard that some of them do do that, for mm -hmm. some other people at least, um, then I haven't found them yet. Yeah. That, my next series used to talk about that. Uh, yeah. Yep. When I was in Australia, I saw somebody who as far as I was concerned, was a friend of mine, was my friend in Australia, but I knew she wasn't in Australia. And it mm -hmm. was just mind blowing. Like I couldn't look away. I'm like, that's her. Like, but it's not, I knew it wasn't her. I'm not saying I saw her clone, but I, I'm not saying it's impossible either. Like, I think we could possibly run into other people's clones in other countries. Yeah. I have some people who, they saw a clone of mine in Cusco, Peru. They say, and this, they were in a tour group and they said like all 15 people in this tour group saw him. He looked just like me. He had the same mannerisms as me. The only difference is he was speaking Spanish. Yeah. That's interesting how that works. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't even know how to keep this conversation on track anymore since we've been all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I have questions about your other altars and stuff like that, but um, I guess we'll just keep it more of a, like the overall perspective for this interview, just because I just want to keep it somewhat on track. I heard you mention before 
that so there's not all bad Dracos, right? Not all of them are bad. And there's actually a faction, not not all of them like eat people and drink blood and do all that stuff. And there's they've actually been warring against amongst each other. There's a group of the positive Draco that have been trying to essentially stop them that are not okay with that. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so there was a thing called the Orion Wars uh in this galaxy. And uh who all the factions were is still not entirely clear to me, but there were some Dracos who were basically sympathizers with the Orion cause. And uh, they were granted asylum uh, within the Orion system. And so their descendants are still, they've still been brought up that way with those kind of politics and so the orionites i mean i i have my issues with them too politically but i will say this they don't eat people and they don't traffic people much some of them do a little bit but not much so that's uh basically how that came about so yeah there are plenty of good draco who know that eating people is not okay. They don't eat any sentient creatures. They do, they they still have to eat meat because they have to be alive. But they don't eat anything sentient. Um, and I want to make it clear that 99% of Draco don't even know that these things are happening. They're like, like us. Where it's the top 1% who knows these things are happening. Maybe another 1% knows these things are happening and is powerless. And the remaining 98% of them are just people existing and just living life, and they don't know anything. So, mm. and so that's how like, most... Oh, Go sorry ahead. to cut you off, but it'd be like... Because uh, as we know, like the Nazis are all over space. Like you're talking about the, the are the these, you know regressive humans for for lack of a better term it'd be like et's demonizing all humans because all they've interacted with are these these uh psychopathic negative ones that are going around yeah. space dominating and trying to take over everything and enslave yeah. people and stuff um so it yeah would, it's not fair to demonize it, an entire no. any entire race it would, it would be like if you heard a story about like some guy in china who uh, murdered three kids. The next time you and the next time you saw an Asian-looking guy, you went up and started harassing him. You wouldn't do right. that, right? Right. Yeah. Thinking all Asians are are like that. Yeah. Okay, so I guess to finish this out, I'm I'm curious about. I think you said your Adam Alter, the one who you have basically full recall of from Solar Warden. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you could kind of share some memories from that altar and what that life looked like and then we'll uh, wrap it up after that okay what he did was essentially border security for the solar system at the um i'm not sure if this is the official name but people call it the europa galactic checkpoint there is a huge wormhole next to europa 
that leads all around the galaxy and even to some other neighboring ones. And the checkpoint for it is on Europa. And uh, what this Adam guy did, he, when the ships landed, he would um, basically be asking for papers. He would be there like, I need to see your license and registration to be using this route. Um, I need to see uh, a cargo manifest. And you need to let my people search your cargo, make sure there's nothing contraband. Uh, blah, 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 all those things. And so he did occasionally for like little one-off jobs because of his, he had an incredible talent for particularly for reptilian species. So he would sometimes be in demand for other checkpoints, not on Europa. Um, he would sometimes go to the one on Mars that's known as Port Victoria, which is in the Victoria Crater. Uh, he would go to the one on Titan, which is next to the new Nuremberg city colony. He would go to one on a space station that was around uh, Uranus and a few others. But that's basically what he did. Um, so Solar Warden, I, I guess I was under the impression that they just monitored what was happening on Earth. So this is way beyond that. They're, no, they're ice. They're like our version of ice for the solar system. They're mm. general security and um, also for attacking the Germans, uh, which Adam did not do. And I, he wasn't even, I, that that was happening was above his pay grade even. So those are their two main roles. Is that all you remember from that altar? Or is there anything else you can tell us about that life as far as, like, I don't know, where, like you said, he was going to these different bases or these different portals or whatever. What type of ship was he stationed on? Do you know things like that? Uh, he would, for a short distance, travel like that. They would just go in shuttles. Um, and they looked pretty much the same as the ones in uh Star Wars, actually, the box-shaped ones with the legs that fold out. Um, and he considered it a very boring life. I consider it kind of fascinating because of all the different species he would see, even on a daily basis, because so many people use that portal. What kind of species would you see? Oh, boy. Um Lots and lots of kinds of reptilians. Um, oh my gosh, so many kinds of reptilians. Um, different species of humans. Because, uh, believe it or not, we're not the only species of human. There's ones out there with green skin. There's ones that are 20 feet tall and have wings. There's uh, all sorts of... And they're still, they're still considered humans? Yes. If you run a DNA scan it comes up as a variation of human. Wow. So, yeah. Interesting. I mean, I, I imagine blue skin. I've heard people talk about blue skin humans as well. Yeah, blue skin. There's there's several kinds of blue skinned humans. Um, there's lots and lots of green skinned ones. Um, and there's uh, 
what we would call tall whites are technically a human species. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of whistleblowers talk about them. Yeah. And uh, there's there were aquatic uh, ETs he saw, and they would come off their ships in tanks full of water. Uh, that heard, levitate. Yeah. I've heard that from other people, yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's some that I don't even know how to describe physically because they're they don't really look like anything we have here. Uh, there's ones that look like a seven foot tall Cthulhu type creature. Wow. Yeah. There's um, a lot out there. Well, yeah, they, I I imagine it's as diverse as you can imagine. Yeah. So going back to the beginning of the your memories for this altar, what's the earliest memory you have as far as him being brought into the Solar Warden? Okay. He woke up one day um, in with no memories of anything, with full amnesia, because he didn't have memories of anything. He, They just made him that day, basically. I was 13, I believe, when they created him, but he was age-advanced. They cloned me, and they age-advanced the clone to the age of 30. So he woke up basically with the mind of a 13-year-old that also had complete amnesia. And what he was told was, um, we saved you, your wife and kids were killed in an explosion, but we gave you this new body, and we're sorry we couldn't salvage any of your memory. Huh. Uh, so, I mean, it is kind of a good excuse when you think about it. Um, and, uh, that was their explanation. And they also, the implication was we saved your life. So you have to come work for us. Right. Okay. That makes a lot of and, sense. Yeah. They basically leave you without a choice. You just wake up yeah. in this situation and just to corroborate what you're saying about age advancing the clone. We just covered this also. Uh, we, the information we came across said that they would typically age advance a clone to age 20, but obviously you said age 30, but still corroborates with them even doing that in the first place. Uh, yeah. it, it takes a lot of the complications out of just the childhood. There's no reason to, um, they can teach everything to the, uh, to the clone adult in about six months that it needs to know as far as how to eat and how to use the bathroom, basic body functions and stuff like that. And from there, they can basically program them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So they do that. Um, and one of the things was Adam was also, he was in several hybrid programs, um, kind of consensually. <laughs> I mean, he was consensual. He did not say he consented to having children with these ET women, he was sleeping with them consensually, but he didn't know it was meant to result in kids until later on someone let that slip. Mm. And so he was like, great, so I have kids all over the galaxy out there, <laughs> probably. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Interesting. He, that kind of tore him up that he found out he had a bunch of kids he would never be allowed to see. 
Right. Right. The hybrid program is, is an interesting topic. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, tons of people on earth here have spoken about it and remember it. I've uh, been involved, including myself. I've I've mentioned it on previous shows and interviews before, but it doesn't surprise me at all that it it's happening everywhere out there. And then that's an entire different rabbit hole, a different discussion for another day. But so yeah. at what point? So he was told that basically uh, they saved his life. So he had to serve. And then that's whenever he was essentially just stationed at that wormhole outside of Europa, did you say? Or Yes, Europa, okay. moon of Jupiter. Um, he lived on the base uh, there in this little room closet of an apartment like uh if you can even call it that it was basically a rented room um uh, above a nightclub very noisy at all hours of the day and night <laughs> it took him several yeah took him several years to adapt to that and be able to sleep but compared to some of my other altars it was actually a pretty okay existence you know yeah i mean it doesn't sound nearly as terrible as some of the other ones we've heard so um right. well wow i mean we've we've covered we've been all over the place today guys thanks for sticking with us um is there any last thing you'd like to share with us about that altar or, or anything else before we wrap this up i don't think so thanks very much for having me yeah absolutely thanks for yeah, joining us thanks uh, so much we appreciate this um is there a way you want to let people know how to find you or how they can follow you yeah, I'm on Facebook under my same name, John Whitberg. And um, I sent you my bio, uh, and it has my email address in it. So people can also reach me there. They're more like You're more likely to get a hold of me quickly if you do it on Facebook. Uh, so I'd prefer you do that, but if you can't, email also works. Okay, great. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, deciding to show your face for the first time. We appreciate that. We appreciate your bravery. I think you're doing great things and please continue sharing and uh, we love you for it and stay safe. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we love you guys as well. We can't do this without you, like I, like I always say. So uh, until next time, have a great evening and good night. Good night, guys. Thank you.